Good morning, Crossroads. My name is Jeff Brookshire, and I am a teaching elder here at Crossroads. We are in the middle of a series called You Can Know God's Will, and I believe that with all of my heart, because I've seen many people who have sought God's will and found it. And myself, I have sought God's will and found it on many different times. But for some, that may sound a little arrogant, and I recognize that. So let me be quick to say this. There have been many times that I've sought God's will and found it, but there have been many times that I have not sought God's will and found that. I've discovered what God's will is not. I've blown it on many different occasions. But when I followed the steps of discernment, or what I call the stepping stones of discerning God's will that we're outlining in this series, I've discovered that God is faithful. That God is faithful in revealing his will to us. Secondly, I really do believe that you can know God's will. You. Not just the person sitting in front of you, not just the person sitting behind you, but you can know God's will. Too many times I think that Christ followers fall into this low spiritual esteem where they think that they can never know God's will because they're not good enough or spiritual enough or know the Bible enough. So they believe Satan's lies that they can never know God's will, but I believe that you can. In fact, I believe that God wants you to know his will more than you do. God wants to reveal his will to you. So I believe this with all of my heart. So in this series that we're in, Rod spent the first couple of weeks talking about checking our beliefs about God, checking the Bible, and checking in with God with prayer. And I really encourage you that if you weren't here for those messages, to go to crossroadsjc.com. Crossroadsjc, Jackson County. Crossroadsjc.com and listen to those messages because they're powerful. Today, I'm going to talk about four other steps of discernment. The first step is use your head. Use your head. Use logic. Now, there are two extremes when it comes to using your head. The first extreme are those who deny the use of logic, who say that you should disconnect your brain when you're trying to discern God's will. And they argue this. They argue that when you look at the Bible, there are all all sorts of times when God's will seems illogical. For example, they'll point to the people that God chose to do his will. Totally illogical. People like Moses and David and Esther and Mary Magdalene and any of the disciples. Totally illogical to choose them to fulfill his will. Then they also point to the miracles. Totally illogical, right? So they say, because God reveals himself so many times in the Bible in illogical ways that we should disconnect our brains. The problem with this is, is that God gave us brains for a purpose. He gave us the ability to reason for a reason. God has given us these abilities to think and to have logic because it's one of the ways that he helps us discern his will. He created us this way, therefore we should use it. The problem is, is that too many people are on the other side of the extreme. And that is those who say that you should only use logic. 
You should only use your brain when discerning God's will. The Bible says this to those people. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God is saying, just because you think it's right, doesn't mean it's right. So neither extreme that I just listed is correct. The truth is usually found somewhere in the middle, right? So how do you use your head to investigate God's will? The first is investigate the facts. I encourage you to look in your outline, and there is a scripture there where Jesus is talking about investigating the facts. There are no shortcuts here. You have to do your homework. You investigate the facts, and then secondly, you open your mind to the possibilities. Too many times Christ followers get into this pattern where they get into either-or thinking, and they pray either-or prayers. God, either do this or God, do that. The problem with that is, is that God is a God who is creative, a God of infinite possibilities. It's like praying to God this. It's like praying to God, God, should birds look like sparrows or robins? When God would answer to you, well, birds look like sparrows and robins and penguins and ostriches and hummingbirds and parrots and so forth. God is a God who is creative. God is a God of infinite possibilities. So when you're making a discernment, God sees infinite possibilities and then chooses the one that is best for you. So we've got to open up our mind to the possibilities. We've got to pray prayers that are not either or prayers, but pray, God, what is it that you have in store for me? So we investigate the facts. We open our minds to the possibilities, and then we've got to adjust our viewpoint. Adjust your viewpoint. In Romans, it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. The pattern of this world is all about me, me, me. The pattern of this world is all about sin, sin, sin. It's about greed, sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, anger, rage, malice, lying, and the like. And if we are honest in this church, this church where the motto is no perfect people allowed, we have to be honest with ourselves and others that we have lived according to the pattern of this world for way too long. In fact, we have been trained since we were children to live according to the pattern of this world. And so we've got to pray. We've got to pray to God that he will transform our minds, that he will renew our minds so that we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So it's good for us to use our head, but we also need to use our hearts. Use your heart. Now there are two extremes. Again, 
There are those who are so into using your head that they say you should disconnect using your heart, your emotions, your feelings when discerning God's will. Already I've described why that is a faulty thinking. God created us to have emotions. He could have created us differently. He could have created us to be living rocks. He could have created us to be living hard drives. But he gave us feelings for a reason. So we need to consult those feelings to either confirm or deny a a discernment that we're trying to make. The other extreme are those who take feelings into too much of uh, uh, importance. You hear this all the time in movies and songs and TV shows and books, friends and family members where you're trying to make a discernment and you're asking for advice and they say, well, what's your heart telling you? Follow your heart. Or what are your gut instincts? Go with your gut instincts, right? But can I tell you that your feelings are not always right? I, I, I come from northern Indiana. That's where I've lived most of my life. And I can tell you that 50 degrees does not always feel like 50 degrees. In July, it gets really hot in India. I know people think, well, it's the north, but it gets hot and humid. But sometimes a cold front will come in, and it will get to 50 degrees. In the summertime, when it gets to 50 degrees, people are changing their shorts into long pants, are putting on coats, and talking about how cold it is. But in January, when it gets bitter cold, and we talk about it being cold here, but friends... Friends, when it gets below freezing, when it gets sometimes below zero, I'm talking frostbite weather, and then somehow a warm front comes in and it gets to 50 degrees, it doesn't happen very often, but 50 degrees in January, people are taking off their coats. Some of them are wearing short sleeves and putting on shorts because they talk about how warm it is. Your feelings cannot always be trusted. So the Bible says that we need to understand that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The Bible, the heart is deceitful. Not the Bible is deceitful. Come back. (laughs) Oops. The heart is deceitful among all things. Our emotions can deceive us, but we still need to consult them. Because God uses them sometimes to either confirm or deny a discernment that we are trying to make. Women understand this usually better than men. Sometimes God speaks to us through our intuition. Sometimes God speaks to us through that gut instinct. Sometimes God speaks to us through the hairs sticking up on the back of our neck. Sometimes God speaks to us through our spidey senses, right? So we need to pay attention to those. We need to pay attention to what God may be saying to us. So how do you investigate whether or not it's from God or not? You've got to read the Bible. If your feelings are contrary to what the Bible says, they just aren't right. 
Now, this is an extreme example, but let me throw it out there. Let's say that you finally found your long-lost soulmate. And in your feelings, you want to get close to her. And you want, in your mind, you have these images of wanting to have relations with her. And you're married to someone else. The Bible is very clear. Do not commit adultery. And Jesus is very clear. Do not commit adultery in your mind. So when our feelings are contrary to what the Bible says, they just aren't right. So I encourage you that whatever you're feeling, to check it out, to make sure that it's right, to read the Bible, to pray, asking God for, you, to ha- for help to sort through those feelings. Go ahead and use your head and the other steps that I'm going to outline today. But be sure to check out your feelings. Some spiritual people will tell you, because I've heard it, that they know something is God's will because they have a peace about it. They feel a peace about it. Can I tell you that that's not always true? You will not always feel a peace about God's will. I mean, a good example of this is Moses, a giant of the faith in the Bible. Moses specifically knew what God's will was for his life. He knew that God was telling him to go to Egypt, to the most powerful nation in the world, to go to the most powerful king in the world, Pharaoh, and tell Pharaoh that God wants him to release the slaves that he had, the Jews, to release them and let them leave the country. Basically, he was telling Pharaoh to let his country release free labor and destroy the economy of Egypt. That's what he knew God's will was, was for the Jews to be released from slavery. But listen to what he said, and tell me whether or not he had peace about it. He says in one place, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Then another time, I like this one, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And then another time, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. (laughs) Does that sound like Moses had a peace about knowing God's will? No. Sometimes you're not going to have a peace about the discernment that you have. But that's not where your peace should be. Your peace should not be in the discernment. Your peace should be in the discernment giver. Your peace should be in the one who is all-powerful, almighty, and can do all things. Your peace should be in the one whose will is always good and pleasing and perfect. That's where your peace should be, not in the discernment. So use your head, use your heart, and then next, use your mouth. Now, there are two extremes for this one as well. On the one extreme are those who are so self-sufficient, so self-reliant, so independent that they would never, ever think of asking somebody else for advice. Ever. And yet, 
they go against what the Bible says. The Bible says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So the Bible says that we can't make our discernments in a vacuum, that we need to ask for advice. But then there's the other end of the extreme. And there are those who do seek advice, but they only seek advice from pleasers, from those that they know will tell them what they want to hear. There's a story about this in 1 Kings 22. I love this chapter. Um, In fact, to me, it's kind of humorous. King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat are trying to decide if they're going to join forces and attack another country, go to war. And so King Ahab sends a messenger to go get his pagan prophets to see what they had to say. Now, the pagan prophets were pleasers. They always prophesied what they knew King Ahab already wanted to do. So one after another of the pagan prophets came in and they kept saying, Go to war. You will be successful. You will win the war. Well, King Jehoshaphat saw through this. He saw that they were pleasers. So he says to Ahab, isn't there a prophet of the Lord God that we can inquire of? So Ahab sends the prophet Micaiah, prophet of the Lord God. And the messenger says to Micaiah, all the other prophets have prophesied that they should go to war, that they will be wildly successful, that they will win the war, you say the same thing. So the prophet Micaiah, (laughs) he goes before Ahab and Jehoshaphat, and dripping with sarcasm, he says, you should go to war, you will be wildly successful, you will win the war. Well, Ahab sees through the sarcasm, and he says, Micaiah, haven't I told you always to tell me the truth? So Micaiah says, okay, I'll tell you the truth. You should not go to the war, go to war. You will lose the war. In fact, you will not only lose the war, but Ahab, you will lose your life. Well, Ahab didn't like it because he only liked to consult pleasers. So he threw Micaiah into jail and only gave him bread and water to eat and drink. Josaphat and King Ahab decided to do whatever they wanted to do. They decided to go to war. And the Bible says that during the battle, an archer at random, random for the archer, not for the Lord, shot an arrow that by circumstance just so happened to hit King Ahab in the soft spot of his armor. They not only lost the war, but Ahab eventually lost his life. The Bible says this, and Ahab and Jehoshaphat are good examples of this. It says, a mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. Now notice the word wise there. The Bible over and over again encourages us to consult godly advisors. Now, when I'm trying to make a discernment, I seek out people who are not perfect, but I seek out people who I believe are close to God. I seek out people who read the Bible. I seek out people 
who know how to pray and will pray for me. Where do I find those godly advisors? By being engaged in church. By being engaged in church. When Jill and I first moved to Georgia 11 years ago, uh, we lived in Gainesville. I know, I know, I'm sorry too. We lived in Gainesville. And when we first moved there, we went to a church. We would get there five minutes before it began, and as soon as they said amen, we went to our car. I never found a godly advisor there because I did not engage. But in this church, through small group, through being engaged in service, we have found many godly advisors here. Godly advisors like Rod, but we can't have all of us go to Rod, right? It asks for a discernment because he would never get anything done, right? He'd never get the honey-do list done at home, right? He'd never get anything done. The, the elders here are godly advisors, those who lead the church. The staff are godly advisors. Small group leaders are godly advisors. But I want to tell you something. There are a bundle of godly advisors in this church that don't have a title, that don't have a position. So I encourage you to get engaged in church to find out who those godly advisors are. It may be the lady who sits in the third row who doesn't have a position or a title that you'll want to go to and ask for godly advice. The point is, is that we've got to use our mouths. We've got to open them up because plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. So check your beliefs about God. Check the Bible. Check in with God in prayer. Use your head. Use your heart. Use your mouth. And then use your eyes and ears. There's an old Jim Carrey movie called Bruce Almighty. And in that movie, his life is unraveling in every area of his life. And he's driving in his car, and it's raining, and he's not exactly a spiritual man, but he decides to pray to God. And he cries out to God, and he says, God, give me a signal. And right then is a sign that's flashing that says, caution ahead, caution ahead, caution ahead. He blows right past the sign. And right in front of him turns a construction truck, a slow construction truck that has all sorts of signs in the back of it. Caution ahead. Slow down. Stop. Yield. Well, he gets so frustrated by it that he whips into the right lane, passes on the wrong side of the truck, speeds up, gets distracted, and crashes his car. Now he's upset. He didn't get a signal. He didn't get a sign from God. And he's so angry with God, he gets out of the car and he starts saying all of these things to God. My favorite is, smite me, almighty smiter, right? He's crying out to God. He's so angry with God, but he ignored the signal. He ignored the signs that he was asking for. Now, it's not that blatant in real life, right? In fact, for me, um, very rarely have I received a sign from God when I was trying to make a discernment. But what I do pray is, is that if God is giving me a sign, if God is giving me a sign, 
I pray, open my eyes that I may see. Open my ears that I may hear. Because sometimes God does confirm or deny a discernment that we are trying to make. But please listen to me. Looking for a sign should not be your primary means of discernment. I know, I know that uh, when I was in college and um, was studying history and, and education, I had a, had a friend who was not a believer, and we would talk about spiritual things. And he kept saying to me, I can't believe there's a God until I see a sign. He wouldn't listen about reading the Bible and the evidence that is there in the Bible that there is a God. He wouldn't look at creation that there's evidence that there is a God. He wouldn't pray. He said, I just need a sign. I just need a sign. Friends, do not make a sign your primary means of discernment. And we shouldn't beg and plead for it. Instead, we should go through the other steps of discernment. Check your beliefs. Read the Bible. Check in with God in prayer. Use your head. Use your heart. Use your mouth. We should use all of those steps to try to discern God's will and only use signs as either a confirmation or a denial of the discernment we're trying to So let me end this message the same way that I began. You can know God's will. You can. Don't buy into Satan's lies that you're not good enough or spiritual enough or not biblically knowledgeable enough. God wants you to know his will more than you do. God wants to reveal his will to you. In fact, if you are not a Christ follower yet, you can know God's will right now. Listen to what the Bible says. God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You want to know what God's will is for you? He wants you to know the truth. He wants you to be saved, to be saved from hell, to be saved for heaven. And if you put your faith in him, even if that faith is as small as a pencil dot, God will honor that. If you put your faith in him, put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, believing that he can forgive you of all of your sins. And if you put your faith in Jesus as the Lord or leader of your life, that he will lead you into life in all of its fullness. You will know the truth. You will be saved. That is God's will for you. Let us pray. Christ followers, now is the time for you to be in prayer for those who are not Christ followers yet. Pray for them, either here or those in your life. And if you're not a Christ follower yet, and you are ready to put your faith in Jesus, I invite you to pray this prayer after me. 
Jesus, I believe in you. Help my unbelief. I put my faith in you. I believe you are the Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. Please make me clean. I put my faith in you. I put my faith in you as my Lord. Please lead me into life in all of its fullness. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. If you prayed that prayer with humility and sincerity, even if your faith is as small as a pencil dot, God honored that prayer. You are now a Christ follower. You are saved, and Jesus will lead you into all truth. Now, Christ followers, those of you who just became Christ followers and those of you who have been for quite some time, now is the time for you to pray for God's will. The Bible says that if we ask God for wisdom, he will give it to us if we do not doubt. So ask God for his wisdom. Ask God to reveal his will to you. Maybe you have a specific discernment you're trying to make. Ask God for wisdom in that particular discernment. Let's spend a couple of moments now silently in prayer, praying for God's wisdom. God, that you will open our ears. You open our eyes. I pray, Almighty God, that you will open our hearts and our spirits and our minds to be able to know your will. And please give us the courage to be able to follow through on it. We love you, God. 